Welcome to episode 27 of the Cincy Postcast. Uh, this one is a little bit more like group therapy, or at the very least, just just trying to talk out our emotions following Hell is Real. It's been a difficult week for FC Cincinnati fans, and um, yeah, we, uh, we we just had to sort out our feelings here. Uh, there wasn't really a rundown, other than I think I did write down briefly referees, so you can imagine what we talk about in this uh, podcast. However, we do wrap it up with a, a whole smattering of random topics, so if you've, uh, if you've had your fill of Hell is Real, stick around for it, and uh, it just gets it's kind of off the rails at the end. And of course, you know, that's going to be your postcast episode 27. Chief, what the hell happened on Saturday? Not to steal a bit from KLR, but they made a movie about officiating FC Cincinnati matches. It's called Fucking Conspiracy Theory. If you aren't bought in at this by this point, I don't know what else to say to you because the he was offside. He was offside on the goal, and the entire time since Saturday has been spent watching the media surrounding MLS, all these weird MLS famous blue check marks. They're not really famous people because nobody knows who Andrew Weeby is. Andrew Weeby, you could show Andrew Weeby's photo to a hundred people on the streets of Cincinnati and nobody would recognize him. He's a nobody outside of this very specific circle. But in this very specific circle, it's been nothing but people gaslighting FC Cincinnati fans into believing that they have to somehow defend an incredibly clear photo of a man who was offside when he scored a goal. In real time, he looked incredibly offside. Like, the entire stadium erupted looking at so offside like oh we're fine here this is fine it's gonna go to var everything's gonna go okay and no it didn't get a check it didn't get a review and when we finally did get a review of it after the match online he's still offside but yet somehow the narrative after this match is that well you know you win some you lose some this was a close call no it wasn't he was fucking offside And I am sick of every week that we tape this podcast having to do another roundtable about what new dumb thing MLS officiating has cooked up to screw us over. It's it's tiresome talking about officiating, but that's all we can talk about because every week it is consistently awful and consistently screws this team. I don't – I mean, what else? Like – the weather was nice. What else do you want me to say about this game? (laughs) So I I disagree that people wouldn't – wouldn't recognize Andrew Wiebe. They just wouldn't recognize him as Andrew Wiebe. You showed that picture to 100 people on the street. They all recognize him as like, you know, oh, some shitty guy they went to high school with. Right. Oh, it's that, <laughs> it's that guy that, that he looks just like that guy who just looks like a shithead. And I just want to punch oh, in yeah, the face. Like, I know him. Every time he, he opens the guy his that was mouth. voted off in the first season of Road Rules. He was the douchebag that they <laughs> voted off the first week. Like, that's who that is. It was like Johnny Friendly from Survivor or something. Right. Cut no, his oh, hair. I saw yeah. that's the guy. That's the guy they made a movie where he was like the AI that became real, that the computer generated image of a human being. <laughs> and like I remember him, like, yeah, that's that guy. Um so they made a movie about how um MLS media decided to handle their uh relationship with FC Cincinnati fans this weekend. It's called Goodwill Punting. 
Um, they also made a movie about who was constantly screwed by the refs every week. It's called Us. <laughs> um, they found an unpublished novel about pro referees in a little-known uh, history professor's uh, papers after he uh, committed uh, suicide. It's called A Confederacy of Dunces. <laughs> was a, that was a long way to go for that one, but... It's a great book, so I won't get that mad about it. <laughs> they made they made a movie about uh, pro referees finding a scapegoat, saying that number six kept the guy kept Etienne on side. It is called Who Framed Harris Madunyanin. Um, they wrote a book about how Columbus Crew fans and Caleb Porter think the league revolves around them. It's uh, recently in vogue in the. Uh, new right wing it's called the culture of narcissism <laughs> uh, this is the only mls podcast in the history of soccer that has referenced christopher lash and it's the last one to do so this is rapid fire i like this <laughs> i got a I got a couple i got a couple of others not all you know they, but, keep uh, going. they can't all be winners but yeah yeah oh here's okay 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 uh this is this is this is one more it's not about the rest but it's Christopher Nolan is releasing a movie about FC routinely losing games in the last minute. It's called Oppenheimer. <laughs> Ope. Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. <laughs> no, but for real, like it. Yeah, I mean, he was clearly on, he was clearly offside. Uh, the video shows he's clearly offside. Uh, this whole bit where we can't see Hagman's foot, we can't tell if Hagman's foot is like three, four, five feet long. Uh, Charlie Davies said his best on uh, the the show. I, I'm told I didn't watch it because I'm I'm probably done Don't listening to Extra Time. Frankly, Don't um, give him a I, I I already only listen to it if they talk about FC's. If if I know that they're going to talk about FC Cincinnati, yes, I just skip. That's what I do to the segment about our game. <laughs> but I'm probably done with that podcast. And see, I, I get the benefit that I find out from one of you that they talked about FC Cincinnati. And then I get to find out from you whether or not I should even bother listening to the segment about FC yeah. Cincinnati. Yeah. So, it's but I hear I hear Charlie Davies. Yeah, I hear Charlie Davies just looked at it and said, "Oh yeah, I have common sense. Uh, he's he's offside. Like everybody, like everybody looks at it and he's offside, right? And then you have all these yes. people coming in with all these models and overthinking it. And it reminds me of like when Terrence Howard said he had figured out like the real math <laughs> and one times one is two. And he has yes, these long, yes. intricate proofs about, like, why one times one equals two. And um, it's it's nonsense, right? But if you, like, go into it and dig yourself a rabbit hole, you throw a number of numbers and charts and lines around, you can convince yourself of anything. And this is what yep. they're doing, you know? And it's a dumb exercise in the first place because on none of these VARs are they – doing any math or drawing any lines, right? No. They're no. looking at it, and they're like, is he offside? The only way you can look at this and think Etienne is not offside is by saying, well, Nick Hagelin's foot must be five feet long. You know? Which, I mean, there's no proof his foot isn't five feet long. Until right, other than, like, every other video we have of Nick Hagelin. Right. right? Hey, hey, we're not reviewing those videos. Although I guess I guess we can't know if his foot would happened to become spontaneously five feet long in that moment because we have no clear and obvious evidence that it did not. 
This is the, right. we're getting into some quantum theory right now too, where it's like, well, it's technically possible that every single particle in his body would have moved back and shifted two feet backwards <laughs> towards the goal at the same time, and thus moving him from that space instantaneously and back the next one. I mean, science what, says that's possible. What what Weeby reminds me of is like the Joe Rogan podcast, where it's like the dumbest people in America discovering like questioning stuff for the first time or discovering like you can ask some questions for the first time and they're kind of slowly trying to reconstruct like the history of philosophy so they'll stumble around the stuff and be like yeah but like how do we know that blue is blue or why is a door called a door someone just made that up right so like, it's the not like between, a door the moment between day and night what do you call that it's like just Fucking Twilight, you weirdo. I don't know. Right. Where do you go? Where do you series. go that's when not, you're sleeping? Not... If a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound? I don't, <laughs> can you, I don't can know. You, How do you, you know? Can you prove that when you woke up this morning, you didn't wake up a completely new person? Like you died the night before and woke up completely new, someone that had never existed before? <laughs> like they're literally applying a standard of proof to this that nobody can meet under any circumstance. Right? Right. Where right. it's like it's like you it's if if your pos- their position, I'm sorry, this is you might say this is straw manning. It is not. The weeby position is that which is nothing like the is lamest knowable. sex position of all time. Like you yeah. tell your wife you're getting into the weeby position, she's just ready for disappointment. Actually, she likes it because the weeby position is when your friend fucks your wife. Oh, the, the weeby <laughs> position is when you look at something and go, "Hey, that appears to be like a quarter of an inch. Don't don't short him on that." <laughs> it's yeah you're you're wearing contacts there's like lens distortion there's lens right. distortion lens. <laughs> <laughs> that jonah meme was incredible by oh the way. jesus <laughs> man the, um, the, the, the whole problem with all this is that i look at what's happening and i realize it's all kayfabe i realize that like yes. what's going on is that these people are playing a character because they know it gets engagement and they have made a calculus at some level that this league is not entertaining on its own to generate engagement. So they have to manufacture controversy and manufacture nonsense in order to get people to watch. I mean, they're basically doing shitty first take online, except he's not as talented as Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless. Like, neither one of them. He's not as talented as Shannon Sharp, and that's a low fucking bar to clear. Um, (laughs) He's not as talented as anybody on CST. No. (laughs) I would take all... Like, at least when they say something, they don't say something that's completely devoid of logic, reason, or common sense most of the right. time. Like, right. suggesting like suggesting that, hey, we got lucky that Matt Miazga's goal was okay. Oh because if God. you watch the yeah. replay, Jeff Cameron, who is in no way involved in the play whatsoever, comes back from an offside position, which happens all the goddamn time on set pieces. Every single free kick. All the goddamn time. And that because he was in an offside position and may have, as he was getting back to an onside position, may have ran by somebody and caused them distraction as they were like, hey, that's Jeff Cameron. I remember him being good at (laughs) Stoke City one time. Because he may have caused that level of distraction, they could have blown the whistle on this play and blown the entire thing dead. it's, It's fucking absurd. It's like the absurdity of saying, hey, you know, you win some calls, you lose some calls. It's like saying like, well, I mean, I understand you were in prison for 20 years falsely for a murder you didn't commit. 
but you did that one time get away with parking after your meter expired. So the justice system <laughs> wins and loses sometimes. You really, you never know what you're going to get on a daily basis. That actually reminds me of like, <laughs> actually reminds me of a date I went on in college. Um, I could tell like right away it was going poorly because like I sat down and she's like, oh, that's a nice, uh, so that's a nice sweater. And I was like, oh yeah, I got it at uh, Banana Republic. I thought it looked pretty good. And she was like, oh, I think. You know, Banana Republic uses, like, slave labor, right? <laughs> and I was like, well, well... I mean, the name is Banana Republic, I kind of figured. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like, yeah, I, th- doesn't everybody, though? Oh, and she's no. like, well, you can get stuff from American Apparel, um, but, you know, the CEO is is uh, kind of, like, sexually assaults his employees, and she's like, but, you know, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> it's like okay what it's like so do you want to do some mozzarella sticks or something to start like <laughs> where do you go from there on a date no she was she was vegan um, oh, yeah of course she was, so, <laughs> of course she was. So, oh my god so um so the, th- the thing that pissed that really pissed me off with the with the Jeff, with the the goal against New York Red Bulls, and by the way, us talking about this is just playing in the whole thing because he's just yes. trying to confuse us. He's just yeah. trying to piss us off. Yeah, he's just trying to like run us around in circles, which it's, we it's are playing pro, along it's, with. It's pro wrestling stick. This is pro but, wrestling. He's a heel. He's yeah. playing the heel. But the Jeff, the Jeff Cameron thing, like yes, that happens on yes, that happens on every goal. Yes, you can go through like all types of set pieces all over the league and show see. This is as much or more involved in the play as Jeff was, and there was no offside correctly, right? But that—that's just you're just you're just you're on a snipe hunt at that point, right? Yeah. But what pissed me off about it was I had a distinct memory, and I remember this because Saeed Bakati got all got all pissed off because they were about to get yes. fired about yes. that goal. But but the first goal that DC United scored against us last year, um, the guy on the right. Crossed it into the box, the DC forward who was yes. way in an offside position. Yes, just the cross just missed him. He whiffed on the ball, but he drew a defender in, and Teton was covering him. Right, he was shielding him. Yep. So he was shielding Teton and drawing a defender in, and was the target of the cross. The ball just happened to go all the way through, and DC scored with another player who was not in an offside position. And Weeby took the public position on Twitter that that was not offside. And I have no fucking idea how you can say that that was not offside and and that somehow the we got away with one with Cameron unless you're just doing a bit, right? Which is yeah. comes to, which comes to like our thing, which is we're just calling out what's obvious. Right. It's obvious that Etienne um, that Etienne was offside, and it's obvious that Weeby is just doing a bit. And it's what, yeah, the what, problem what with the about, bit okay. though. Yeah. I was going to say what, the problem with the bit is he's gone too far. Like the the heel is in on the joke that they're the heel. Like he is still days later like 15 messages deep in threads within threads within threads like earnestly arguing and that's like the mind-blowing part is that he might actually believe this or he might at some point has convinced himself of this. And that's like way more concerning. And to me gets back to the larger issue of 
th- this is all like all of this treatment of FC Cincinnati stems back to that one game where the referee said something shitty to Harris Madunyanen. Notice they blame Harris Madunyanen as well after this game. That he's he. They say something shitty to him. Basically, Harris disputed a call, and they said to him, uh, "Well, you know, you blew it. Basically, our our because we were poor on the field, we didn't earn a 50-50 call. That was sort of the implication that the ref was giving to him." Madunyanen got mad about it. Noonan got mad about it. Lucho got mad about it. Lucho gets suspended. Noonan's getting fined, and we've gotten. All of this bullshit done to, to FC Sensei ever since then. Ever since then. And now you've got larger media folks basically running cover for what is a, a revenge tactic here. So, so there's there's a lot to unpack about what you said, because I, I, I agree completely. Um, to the point, honestly, where if I'm Chris Albright and FC Cincinnati ownership, at this point, I almost wonder if you have Pat Newton do a public mea culpa. Just seriously, post a letter to pro ref. <laughs> Grayson oh. strongly disagrees. No, <laughs> no, I, I get it. It's 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 mob. Unless it's sarcastic, tactic. it better be no, really fucking funny and sarcastic. But it's also it's like, what are you proving by by standing your ground on this to a certain extent? They win. They're winning. Like the league is not right. doing anything to stop this. The only thing you're doing is they're continuing to drop points as a result of bad officiating. So at some point. You just can't fight City Hall. And maybe if that means Pat Noonan writes a letter of apology to pro-ref referees, says publicly, I shouldn't be blaming officials. They have a tough job. They're maligned in society. I stand firmly in solidarity with, like, or wear one of those fucking black armbands like Joe West had in Major League Baseball to protest, you know, disparagement of umpires or whatever it is. Yes, like, yes. At, at, do something... And, like, I understand this is mob boss tactics, that you're sucking up to the mob and you're paying your protection money, and we shouldn't do that. You shouldn't support the mob. But on the other hand, the alternative is getting your store, like, firebombed. Like, pay the protection (laughs) money. Figure out how to fight the mob down the road. They need the results right now. Like, if this really is, and I do think it is, I genuinely, I've been saying this for weeks on this podcast, I genuinely believe this all traces back to him calling an official unprofessional. And the way that that reverberated around the officials union was, well, who the fuck is this first year head coach on mm-hmm. this three time wooden spoon t- winning team thinking he can call one of our people unprofessional? What does that mean? Does he think he's engaged in match fixing? We can't allow that to stand. Everybody make sure that make sure you, you don't do anything. Don't do anything that would violate your code of ethics. Don't don't blatantly disregard calls, but maybe you don't see some things or maybe the 50 50 call goes the other way. And that's what we're getting, and it's killing us. It is absolutely killing us right now. So okay. maybe you write the letter. Maybe you issue the fake apology. Hey, I've been issuing fake apologies since, like, the first grade for do, for stuff I don't <laughs> think I was wrong for, but it was easier to just apologize and move on. This feels like maybe one of those opportunities right now. Okay, so you bring up the mob, which I think brings up a good point. How did you get – how do you get Al Capone, right? You don't got, You don't get him – on what he's doing. You don't get him on like the bootlegging. You don't get him on the gambling. You don't get him on the bribing. You get him on something like tax evasion, right? You sit, you create a world where everybody understands Al Capone is a bad guy. And, um, you find something you can pin on him. And I I have an idea. This is where you go. I have an idea coming out. 
No, this in the is next better. couple days in the post, which I wasn't really thinking of, but I really do think that this that there's some that there's some legs here. Okay. Yes. Maybe yes, Pat Noonan. Maybe Pat Noonan uh, makes a mea culpa, and um, but every player in every interview and press conference complains about the referees being against them. Complains about it not being fair conditions that they're that they're being asked to play under because the referees will not give them a fair shake. Because I believe, after pretty detailed analysis, which will be coming <laughs> out in the post soon, that MLS players have a federally protect, protected right to complain <laughs> about the referees as long as it is not about the referees' treat, treatment of them individually. It is about the referees' treatment of the team in general and they're speaking on behalf of the team because under the national labor relations act section seven you have the right to engage in protected concerted activity regarding the terms and conditions of your employment and i think that there is no question that the fairness of the officiating relates to the terms and conditions of employment so as long as you as long as it is concerted activity by the team and on behalf of the team broadly it is protected by federal labor law okay and if mls comes out against uh, the players with discipline. Not only can the players in the union file a charge with the labor board, any member of the public who knows about the labor violation can file a charge with the labor board. Oh, I, I, know, I know some oh. people. I know people who know about the labor <laughs> violation. Pick me. I, pick me. I am not saying to spam the labor board oh, with, with complaints. Okay, because these are these are federal employees. They have... They have a lot to deal with, and I don't want to... False. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so, but, but I, do think, I do think that it is fair to say, to just let MLS know that the players have, have made their voice heard about how they feel about the terms and conditions of employment, and it is probably a labor violation to um god that'd be so funny to to take to take <laughs> employment related discipline against them for engaging in protected concerted activity and so you know you guys can do what you want I, but I thought, I thought it'd be a better idea for us to try and decertify the referees union it feels like it's bullshit that the referees <laughs> have their own union so we should like reverse salt the referee union. We should have somebody go through the levels of pro <laughs> and then say, "What's the union really doing with us other than taking away our taking our dues?" You see the head of the you see the head of the union makes like two hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, he gets all the cush assignments. I saw. Yeah, must be nice to cozy up with the uh, with the league, huh? Must be. You nice know, unions aren't charities, right? They're businesses. They make money off of <laughs> off of your dues, and they make hey, I, money through organizing new did, chapters. Did, did you ever sign a card? I never signed a card. I didn't see any of these cards. What? How did this happen? <laughs> I don't understand this. Did you know unions make political donations? You might not they, agree with who they support, they but that's your, your money they're using. Money, and they use it to support candidates you might not even know in states you might not even go to. Is that what you want? Is that what you need right here? I have an informative video from Amazon that I think we should all sit down and watch right now. Yeah, there may be some people affiliated with this podcast who have gone through uh, union campaigns before. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I had a I had a vote fail. I'll, I'm I'm sad to say. <laughs> but you know, you can just go to union. I wonder if pro. I wonder if the pro preferees. Eh, 
I wonder if the pro referee union has a has a page on unionthugs.com. <laughs> Do they insist that their uh, uniform is made or in union, union facts. shop too? Like, or is it made overseas like everything else is with uh, MLS? Um, they... You know, you know, Cincy Shirts is a union shop. That's a fun fact. And they uh, huh. they actually supported the unionization. Um, I can't reveal my source on this because they got it from a confidential source. But um, they supported unionization because they wanted to get a contract to make shirts for – I forget which one, but they wanted to make shirts for a local union. Ooh. And the, so they had the to unions, unionize in order so to – they had, Yeah, so they had to unionize <laughs> to do that. Isn't it just owned by two dudes? Did they, is but one they the have, manager and one's like in a, the union? They have like a print shop though. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Like they have, they have employees. I I just honestly assumed you can't have a you can't have a union a unit of one play. <laughs> you can't What's, make a union of one. Damn. No, you can't be your own union. <laughs> what is the smallest size a union can be? Could three people be a union? I I believe two can people can be two. A union. Okay. All right, I know I'm for real. a fact three people All can. Right, I'm gonna propose the post unionize. Who's with me on this? <laughs> well, we can't. So we can, but but Kevin can't because Kevin's uh, yeah. management. Management. I'll okay. Be management. Grayson, what do you think? Yeah, I'm in. All right, I'm in too. All right, I have some cards to show you. If you if you guys are looking for a living wage, we may have to shudder. <laughs> just it's this is uh, I don't I just you know the hard part about this too is like we're laughing about this, but like yeah. this is content for the league. Like today, they put yeah. this this shitty video out that you make the call thing sponsored by Cheez It, and it made yeah. me wonder like. Do they tell these refs to blow one call terribly per week just because they have already sponsored the segment by Cheese It? I'm like, you can't tell Cheese It, sorry, all these games were well officiated this week. We <laughs> don't have a segment for you. Like, <laughs> is Inside yeah, they... Bar sponsored? The one that Pro Ooh. Referees puts out? I don't that'd be, think that'd be gross. So. I don't. I don't think. But I that would by be the way, really sad. By the way, um, well, one, I want to say. Uh, before we get we get too far too far afield with all the fun we're having, um, <laughs> I I want to defend the I want to defend the honor of our friend Three uh, Def yes. Joseph Joseph Meme yeah. because Mamet. he was uh, whatever. <laughs> Please get the fake name correct. <laughs> I'm an autodidact. I've only read it. I've not heard it. <laughs> um, so. So he was he was attacked pretty harshly by yeah. by folks saying like oh this is just a FC Cincinnati fan trying to doctor the video or whatever he went through an incredible amount of work and he was extremely transparent with his process on Twitter way more transparent than that offside modeling guy who I don't want to like personally besmirch but because of oh, maybe aligning himself with him um, I just think who, it's it's just crazy because. Who is offside modeling? Like if you go so to his I'm website not... and he's like, oh, I'm just an amateur that's doing this for fun. Yet, mm-hmm. you know, his word is taken as gospel and he's retweeted. And it's like, well, offside modeling said it. It must be true. Then Joe, Joe Meme, Joseph Mamey on Twitter shows his work, <laughs> shows a better model than this offside modeling does. And then the offside modeling guy is like, yeah, you did a better job than me. So wait, why why are we treating the offside modeling guy as gospel if a guy from Cincinnati 
can go spend an evening on doing a better job, do a better job. And the guy that like is allegedly the source is like, oh, yeah, you're right. You're probably better than me. Like, that's fine. But then so this guy isn't a fucking expert. Then so offside Joe, modeling isn't an expert. If, like, he is so easily proven incorrect. Joe puts his process out. He puts in. A, he puts out a great, a, a very well detailed model, which ended up being like kind of a mistake because some people who were motivated to could like poke holes in it here, here or there. Whereas you yeah. could just be like the offside modeling guy, just be like, here, look at that. That's like seven eighths of a pica, and <laughs> and people people just take it right because you don't give them any information that they could question. You don't give them your assumptions. You don't give them right. You know any of that stuff, but Joe is like, "Oh, I'm gonna, you know, be be upstanding about this. I'm gonna put out a a detailed explanation of my process. I'm gonna show all the lines, show how I got there, show my work, so people can examine it. And nobody says like, you know, oh, that's a good job. I think you may have some some stuff here. People just attack it, right? Weeby's right. first question is, "What are your credentials for this?" <laughs> when the outside modeling guy admits to having no credentials, and I can tell you why. I can tell you why Weeby uh, doesn't ask that question to the offside modeling guy. It's because they're friends. I'm not going to name him on the podcast, but you can find an article from 2010 where Andrew Weeby was working for Kansas Sporting Kansas City, and he interviews this guy as like a season ticket holder. And you're like, oh, that's kind of thin. He just interviewed him for an article. Yeah, but if you work for the team and you're writing an article – and you're interviewing a, a season ticket holder. It's not just some. You're not knocking on doors asking random people if they're no. season ticket holders. You are calling up your friend. And, yeah. and not only that too, but even if it was a random season ticket holder, let me let everyone in on a little secret about how the MLS Twitter sphere works. Everyone is in people's DMs all the goddamn time. It is alarmingly easy to get a hold of just about all of these people online, especially the people who aren't engaged in some controversy. Like, using a DM to Weeby right now from Cincinnati, you're probably being left on red. But, like, yeah. this offseason, he writes some content, you send him a DM. It's not hard to get a conversation going with just about any of these people. Um, we've had friend of the podcast, Jeff uh, Reuter. Kevin, you've been in his DMs yeah. for however long. Like, these people, like yeah. they are, they're famous within this MLS world, but like they're not that famous outside of it, and they're eager to strike a conversation up in the right circumstances. So this offside modeling guy, even if he was in one conversation and one article, it's not a stretch to believe these two have stayed in contact because that's what people do in this sphere. They well, you can find, in contact I mean, you can find other. tweets back and forth from them, but between them, like public tweets from like 2011, 2010. Yeah, so like, like they've asking, known each like, other, how you they've known each other stuff, for a long yeah. time, right? Yeah. So this guy is gets treated like his word is gospel, even though one, he admittedly has has no more credentials to do this than anybody else, and two, doesn't show anything about his process. What? Whereas Joe what? put Joe puts out a thing, yeah. right? That okay, the offside modeling guy didn't didn't um, uh, agree with it, right? But he did adjust his model. To make Etienne like eight times yes. more offside based on <laughs> Joe's work. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm I'm just sitting here wondering what what would the credentials be? Whose job is it to analyze the distance between two people running on a field? And you're like, ah, well, clearly we've got the world's expert in identifying two objects running at roughly the same speed in a field. Now we've got our man. <laughs> 
mean, if you want to find the answer to that question, have two people commit a murder at like a dead sprint and then have a photograph of it and figure out who gets called as an expert witness for the prosecution. But, <laughs> yeah. but okay, so this is like that. Only the two experts we've called have both on the stand admitted to not being experts, but the one said, but he's probably better than me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want the guy on my team that said, listen to the other guy, he's better. It's not, a, it's not great for the old case, I can tell you that much. It's, oh my gosh. It's, it's just, it's, it's absurdity. And I can't help but think that the reason why the absurdity exists is because this league is so desperate for people to pay attention to it and for people to interact with it and to be online talking about it that – you know, they don't give a shit if you blow a call that is a game changing call that fundamentally shifts the playoff picture in the Eastern Conference. Because, yep. yeah, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. There's no such thing as bad publicity. And we can mine this for content for days. We can have Columbus send cheeky tweets out the off the side of his head, um, <laughs> showing the, uh, the, the, the shot again. And then, have cheese it by branded video where they spend time debating whether or not this was the right call or not. When everybody with half a brain knows it was a blown call and just it's, and again, here we find ourselves on the podcast talking about bad officiating where we're probably now up to what nine, 10 points that have been a direct result of bad officiating dropped by FC Cincinnati. And again, what are we not talking about? We're not talking about Brandon Vasquez scoring another goal to be fair we're also not talking about brandon vasquez missing <laughs> an all-time chris wandalowski type sitter that would have yeah. put the game away we're not talking about another really really good defensive effort from matt miazga from the back line um we're not talking about all that we're talking about practice we're talking about you know officials we're talking about blown yeah. calls var not happening and it's just it's yeah it's I want to I add to that as well. The offside call is one blown call. I, I want to put more controversy points in the added time at the end of this game. Six minutes was unbelievably generous to Columbus. And and I am of the opinion that, yes, you, know, you, you need to be a team that defends every minute of every second that the game is going on. And the defensive lap it lapse is absolutely on FC Sensei. However... I I am also of the opinion that if you take two similarly matched teams that are not perfect by any means, but both pretty good and about the same level of pretty good, and you had them play for 600 minutes, that they would inevitably be conceding goals to each other left and right. When Columbus was down, giving extra time in this game as a handout to Columbus, that inevitably, in six more minutes, another goal was more than likely. And another goal in that moment was more beneficial to Columbus than it would have been to Cincinnati. Six minutes was insane. Five minutes would have been like, wow, this is really dramatic. And I just feel like we're not talking enough about how that is... That is controversial. So well, I mean, I mean, think about it this way too. Um, if you look at the spend across MLS, it's heavily slanted in favor of offense. Most of the money on this league is spent on attacking players. Yep. Offense in this league beats defense in this league. If you same thing, like play for six hundred minutes, the offense in this league is going to beat the defense in this league more often than not. The, the just the talent disparity is shifted. Um, 
And what else benefits MLS? MLS loves tweeting out late game-changing goals at the death exclamation point with a video clip. Like they want this. They want there to be more stoppage time. They want there to be more exciting goals. They want to mine all this for content. So would it shock anyone if there's an edict out there from the league to their union buddies and the referees union? Yeah, you know, when in doubt, err on the side of a little more stoppage time. Or when it's a close call, keep the flag down. We'd rather see a goal than not see a goal. It's it's just, it's, it feels like this is all by design. It doesn't feel like this is happen chance to a certain extent. It feels like, yeah, extra time, more of that. So I thought this referee was was bad generally. Um, and I thought he was really bad when he refed the game at TQL last year. Mm. Um, and so I, he was so bad, in fact, that AMC made a TV show about him, about referee <laughs> Stott. It's called Kevin Can Fuck Himself. <laughs> <laughs> um that also apply to this podcast too. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it, that's our that's our slogan for our union drive. Right. Uh, <laughs> speaking of speaking of union drives, um, did you hear uh, Ray Gaddis got involved in the labor movement? Oh um, yeah. They even came oh, up really? with a nick. They even came up with a nickname for him for tucking in his T-shirt all the time. Uh, they're calling him Normie Ray. After the I, Sally Field movie, Normie Ray. That's, yeah. <laughs> All right, that was they too, can't all. That they, was can't too all much. Be, they can't all be winners. <laughs> Kevin, leave that in. Don't cut that out. Oh, it's not getting cut. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, the uh, oh, so I was I was like I was quiet for a bit because I was laughing really hard because Kevin said giving extra time, and for some reason it like popped in my head um, of something like the uh, um, you know like the show like uh, Pose about like the the ballroom scene and the, the drag scene and, and imagine like a, a, a night where it's like the look is referee hotness. Like, Ooh, <laughs> she is giving extra time. <laughs> like, I just, that was like in my head. <laughs> uh Oh, red card on this guy. <laughs> oh my God. Also fuck uh, Caleb Porter too. Just this, yep. this, what an insufferable prick. Like we, another we should, thing, another thing that's yeah. being overshadowed by the officiating is he just continues yes. to be the most unlikable person on the planet. And I'm, I every day I get more and more embarrassed that I was excited about the rumor that he might be coming to coach here out of oh. USL. Thank God, we. I mean, not like we had. I, I understand the choices that or Yap Stam or Ron Jans or Alan Koch, but I don't want him. Thank God, not. Thank no. God, we didn't end up with him. He he runs over to the corner. He's screaming fuck off to FC Cincinnati fans and then has the audacity to complain that fans threw things at him and uh I'm not going to bother qualifying this but we should have thrown more stuff at him like that is just like really dumb stupid behavior from the Columbus crew and they are disrespecting us and the only other way for the fans to show their disrespect in my opinion in sort of equal measure Chuck something at him. I mean, you're not going to get in trouble. You're not getting arrested for this. Fucking chuck something. I, if that if that gets me in trouble, it gets me in trouble. Well, but, Porter God Porter damn. came out and he was like, "That's the that's the most that's the most classless thing I've ever seen," and which is like insane because like one, 
a couple of things got thrown. If you right. look at the image from the MLS Cup final from Portland <laughs> versus Columbus, where Porter was coaching Portland, Columbus is like sh- covered the corner of the field with yes. beer in like the fucking sixth minute of the game. Like the game's right. not even the game has barely started, and they're already <laughs> they've already pitched like dozens of beers onto the field. It's right. before the controversial call, even yes. Right. So um, this is the classiest. This is the most classless thing I've ever seen. As he is literally cursing the fans out from the field yeah. level of a game he came back to draw. He didn't even win the game. He well, he did this last to year draw. too. Yeah, no, it's right. he did this last year too. And you know what? They missed the playoffs by like a point or two. If they had won the game here at TQL, they would have made the playoffs. I mean, and he's, he's the running around like they won a fucking cup. He's the living embodiment of that meme of the guy on the pedestal, like showering himself <laughs> yeah. in champagne, and it's like on third place right there. You drew the game, man. And it's like, you want to get mad that two or three people threw an empty at you? Like, you're lucky someone didn't jump the barricade and tackle you. Like, right. it's one of those things, too, where it's like, it, it's who I forget who brought it up in the group chat, but it was like, this is a, this is a rivalry game. In rivalry yeah. games elsewhere in the world, like they have to have security lining the field to stop that sort of thing from happening. Because if the opposing manager goes over to the away fans and starts getting in their face, they're going to find themselves like in need of a police escort to leave the building. Like yes. that shit doesn't fly anywhere else in the world, even in like civilized countries, like even like, you know, the UK, like if the opposing manager goes over and taunts the opposing fans, someone's coming over the, uh, the security barrier and yes. trying to take a swing at someone. Yes. Yeah, actually, that's that's funny because I just when I saw that happening and I read the and I read uh, Caleb Porter's comments, I remembered that article in the Dispatch last week where uh, the crew beat writer interviewed uh, Degenek, the center back for the crew from Serbia, about you know rivalries, and he's like, oh, they're really soft here, they're really nice, you know, over in over in <laughs> Belgrade, the Belgrade Derby, it's like violent, you can't leave your house if you lose the game for a week and actually um that i, I don't i don't think that that um that caused the the beer to be thrown i don't think that i don't think anybody else really noticed that article because i don't think <laughs> people in Cincinnati are reading the columbus dispatch but uh that interview did get picked up in the uh, belgrade partisan last friday and uh there was a headline on it it was uh it, it was in the in the english edition I really believe this partisan. was real. I really so believe that is, was real. So this is going. so this is last Friday. Uh, so before the game, it's a Yankee Doodle candy <laughs> calling American rivalries nothing but macaroni. <laughs> Crew defender Degenek says they're too sweet. You can gloat in their faces, and they won't even throw things at you. Well, we proved them wrong, didn't we, boys? <laughs> anyway, I'm not saying I'm not saying throw stuff, but like I'm not clutching my pearls. I I'm an yeah. Ohio State fan. You know, I've gone to games at like Penn State and in, in places like that, where like Penn State, they like th- people always bring up like Mexico and Central America. Go to a fucking college football game. Yes. Students throw piss bottles at the fucking band. Like, you don't need to go down to, like, other countries to find behavior way worse than this uh, from from fans. And, and like, yes, like, you're not going to find me throwing stuff at a right. game. Not from your fancy seats. Oh. 
No, cer- <laughs> certainly not. I can't get kicked out of the club. Plus, I've already drank my beer, uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm I'm probably pissed that I can't I can't buy another one because they've they've shut off the bar. They, they don't do that anymore because they do the the after game stuff. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, up. like. Like you know, I mean, you, we had we had crew fans at Nipper trying to fight Greg Burhalter. Yeah, ever you know, it's and you know, oh my god! And then I seeing mean, FC Cincinnati and- fans on Twitter saying like, "Oh, this is this is like real toxic oh. behavior or whatever." Just shut up, my god! I, I mean, don't I am, throw things, but shut the fuck. I up. am very interested in the. The American soccer fan who will tune into the Super Clasico in Argentina and just loves the passion and the police and the riot squads and the shields that you need to let the the guys take the corner kicks and oh my god look at that passion oh my god I want to watch the the Copa ninety Derby day so I can see you know how how intense it gets in Rome and Eastern Europe and and in uh, Scotland and then you come to the states and like a couple of people throw a beer can and a rival game and like a really really shitty draw as the other you know opposing coach is like screaming fuck off at families you're like oh this is too much this is way too much i don't oh i I can't believe this beautiful sport i love is is being tarnished like this like literally the fan groups that you envy in eastern europe have connections to like you know, organized crime and, uh, you know, former Soviet elite. And in South America, they almost all have connections to, if not street gangs, straight up narco armies. Like they use the, the fan groups in Argentina and Brazil to recruit, uh, you know, new, new soldiers for their narco armies. Like, you know, come on. We if have... you're celebrating it on one hand and admonishing it on the other, I don't know what to hey. do for you. Okay, Kevin, Kevin. Remember when Dortmund's bus got bombed? <laughs> yes. Remember when someone put a bomb on Dortmund's bus? Yes. If we cared enough, that's what we do here in Cincinnati. They never would have been crew would never even made it to the game. <laughs> you don't understand, All Kevin. I'm, you don't understand, yeah. Kevin. In Portland, we painted arrows pointing down. We we understand what it means to really be oh about that life. I had somebody on Reddit tell me uh that no no no, the Nordeca wore pink about Jimmy Haslam. So there you go. They got that covered. So. Um, we does there, Do people not realize or th- ever think about that we have a uh, we have an ownership group in MLS that's committing genocide in Yemen? <laughs> it, was, uh, I, it didn't cross my mind today, but I've been mostly dealing with, you know, how big of a douchebag Andrew Weeby is. Maybe like, they're bigger. Like we have we have we have how city, I feel like an have, asshole. Uh, we have like, maybe like city, city city football group. And, oh, their, yes. and their owners uh, engaging in the drone proxy war, uh, propelling something a lot more dangerous than a beer can. And I'd like to see Cucho <laughs> catch one of those. Hey and, hey! and we're like, oh, Cincinnati fans are being classless and toxic. <laughs> Double right there. Oh, uh, man. I just, hey. I, it's hell is real. It's a rivalry game. Yeah. You know, it's, it's I guess... It's. I'm happy. I still feel something. Yeah. Just, but I just. What I feel is I. I hate their fan base. I hate their. I hate their stupid fan base. I hate. Mm-hmm. I hate how, they revel in, you know. Oh, he, he was onside. No, he wasn't. 
Like, I don't have a problem with you, like, saying we got away with one and saying, like, yeah, try better luck next time. But don't don't claim your man's was on side. That's nonsense. You're just lying in my face then at that point. And just it's – they're all insufferable. And I, I – the, the horrible thing is, too, is if they would have lost, Caleb Porter went after their fan base, too. So the whole yes. controversy would have been about Caleb calling his own fans out. And so we were – we were robbed of that comedy gold by stupid officiating and Jeff Cameron being unable to head the ball away with ten seconds to play. And then, the, and then that second that second spectrum angle came out. And oh I don't my know God. where the, I don't know where that came from. But why? First of all, like why are there why are there camera angles that like <laughs> private groups are getting that are not available to the referees and to and to fans and the teams and everybody like during the game? Sure, makes you but, wonder. Okay. So that the second the second spectrum angle came out, and then Weeby tweeted it out and started running victory laps, and then his buddy Offside Modeling was like, "Well, actually, this makes him look even more offside <laughs> because it shows where Hagelin's foot is, but it doesn't show that Etienne is leaning." Which is yeah. Like, um, but I also want to know, like, where was that angle on that ball that was supposedly went out of bounds, where the ref was out of was out of position and they took away Brenner's back heel goal against NYC. I, I also can't figure out where that angle was taken from either. Right. Like like that the, photo comes out and I'm like, where the hell did this come from? Was this like a fan? Or is there who, like a is there a camera on the roof line that we don't know about that they have access put, to? Yeah, who puts the camera up there? Who has access to it? Did FCC install this? Did somebody else install it? Did somebody else install it and FCC not know it's there? Like, what the maybe fuck was, is that? Maybe it was Cubist, and it was actually just showing. Because you know how the, the lines were visible over the players? Like, the lines on the box yes. were visible yes. over the players? Maybe it was, was just like a, maybe it was like a Cubist reconstruction. So it, was, so it was showing us, like, every single angle of the play simultaneously. Or it's like some, some Star Trek thing where they're like, computer, take all known <laughs> photos of this and extrapolate that out to an overhead view. And then they walk into the holodeck and somebody comes alive and tries to kill them. Like, <laughs> I, I, I feel like we're, we're so close to being able to actually do a 3D recreation of the scene. Like you just need like a few more cameras in the right angles and you could build like a 3D model pretty quickly. I, I always think of like the NFL when – you know, the, in college football, ESPN's got this cool tech where, like, they pass the ball and, the like, the camera will pan with it and spin with it. And yeah, it's like all the, just based on yeah, the, the other matri- cameras. The Matrix camera where, like, yes. all of a sudden in real time it's shifting 360 degrees. Yes. Like, where the fuck is that for offside? That'd be lovely. Apple, fix it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, that would I, be, like, super on brand for Apple, though, like, to have the ability in real time as you're watching the game to – put the overlay up on a replay and tell you immediately if somebody's offside or not, you would think a tech company that is investigating how to use augmented reality and is forever rumored to be having an AR goggles accessory coming out would have that ability for the assistant referee to be standing there on the sidelines with a pair of like glasses that is instantly telling them if a player is on or off just by looking at them. But also MLS chose not to like have any technology, right? MLS chooses not to have, um, not not to have you know all, all enough camera angles. They choose not to use the lines and all that. So, well, they didn't choose that. They just they used all their um, allocation money, their stadium yeah. allocation money. They spent it elsewhere, and they didn't have enough 
you know, XM in order to afford the cameras that would solve <laughs> these problems. Yeah. So, so MLS choose not to have all this technology. And so what you go off of is based on my look at the video is he clearly and obviously offsides and everybody offside. Sorry. Um, and everybody, <laughs> everybody who looks at the video can see that he is clearly and obviously offside. Just like everybody in the stadium could, just like I could watching it on my fucking phone at a bar in Hot Spring, Arkansas. And um, to Sick disprove breath. it, to disprove it, you have all these people, you know, drawing lines and stuff. But that's not how it works. Right. That's not how it works in MLS. You don't get to do all the lines and everything. You right? just look at the image You just again. look, you look at, at the it. video. And, and if their reasoning is we can't tell where Haglund's foot is. I can't characterize that because that will get the postcast canceled. (laughs) (laughs) This this is ultimately a point that I will continue to hammer home uh, until it is abolished, which is VAR has no functional purpose in soccer if it's not going to get 100% of the calls correct. This is my issue with instant replay, umpire reviews, challenges. You can only introduce technology if you can completely solve the problem. If robot umpires are 99% accurate, boom, done. You're, you're done with human umpires. If the Hawkeye technology can detect the tennis ball going out or a ball crossing a goal line, great, boom, you do that. I, I don't know if a lot of people remember. There was a season or two, uh, UEFA Champions League actually employed a fifth and sixth official to stand behind the goal as their goal line technology. They stopped doing that because they now have computer models and lasers that can do that for them. But VAR, as just a second look, is never going to work because you require two referees to tell the other referees not doing his job right, but that the guy you're telling is not doing his job right gets the final say on whether or not he's doing his job right. Like the entire premise is broken and you're just giving another subjective look. So now you have the assistant referee on the line gets their subjective look. The center referee gets to overrule them if they want. So there's another source of subjectivity. Goes back to a video review, and they're trying to decide whether or not they are going to offer up the center referee the opportunity to go back and look at it another time. You've entered so many goddamn layers where if you just said, hey, the assistant referee said he's on, ah, fuck, that sucks. And we move on. And we can still be mad. But if you promise us, oh, we have video review and we have a, an army of people that are going to solve these problems and no more bad calls will happen anymore, you better fucking get it right or the entire thing is pointless. And that's where we are. And it has still never been solved in the 10 years it's been around in soccer. It's fucking awful. I wish we would just get rid of it. Just go back to just what it fucking was for 100 years. It worked. Let's go back to it, please. And it's way easier to swallow, like, I just missed it live. Yes. And we could have looked at the video and could have seen it and could have made the correct call. We had all every opportunity to do so. We just decided not to. Right. <laughs> it's absurd. Just, it's, it's, all right. So around the horn, what has been your favorite egregiously blown call of the season for FC Cincinnati? Kevin? 
Uh, it's got to be the uh, the the mysterious ball going out of bounds, taking away Brenner's incredible backheeled goal against New York City FC. Uh, it's just fucking awful, especially given that we uh, uh, allegedly, apparently, have this fucking mystery cam up in the rafters that could have could have proved him innocent. Yeah, I would I would have to go like since I can't use that one. I'll go with uh, <laughs> I'll go with with Dax McCarty sticking his arm out in the box mm. and blocking the ball, God, not getting I a penalty about caught that. against him with Nashville, which I think hurts especially hard because uh, there was a string of games where we got you know penalties against us for for handballs, and that was another one that no one took a look. I'm going to go with uh, Gonzalo Iguain just absolutely trucking Yuya Kubo. Like, yes. unceremoniously, like, full-on, like, NFL style, not even attempting to play the ball, just absolutely trucks him. It wasn't even like, you know, sometimes in those situations where you're doing the hold-up with the ball, there's soft contact where you fall over just to get right. the call, just to get the whistle and waste more time. There was none of that. Like, he full-on ran over and shoulder-tackled. John Cena style, uh, yes. Kubo, no call. Uh, Miami gets the ball and they score with what would have been a game killing penalty instead. So oh. it's been it's been a rough season ever since uh, Madunganen, Noonan, and Acosta had the audacity to call out a referee, and that's what kills me. That it to me anyway, it goes back to that moment of you know the the team turns on it. Uh, and I don't know. Apparently, people were saying around that time that Cincinnati was a notorious place uh, to play for referees, given uh, the hashtag Bailey culture at the time of being willing to boo referees as if Cincinnati invented the concept of being upset at officials. But, um, yeah, it's been pretty, pretty fucking annoying since and, then. And here's a, a related question to my last question. What's the last true 50-50 break this team got? You could argue, and I think it would be stupid, but Miazga, uh, the no, alleged handball. No, no. You can't I, argue. I, I, handball. Okay, oh. okay, handball. Sorry, <laughs> no. sorry, sorry. No, no, sorry. no, not the yeah. offside. No, no. And I know Grayson will disagree. That's the one that felt a little, a little maybe, but nah. no. No. <sighs> I can't remember. I honestly can't remember the last time where – there was a situation where I was like, "Oh, we're gonna get screwed on this," and we we was like, "Oh, okay, we got away with that one." Like, never. Like, so there have been like may, maybe the offside goal that was taken away from Miami. That was pretty clear, mm. though. Yeah, but like, apparently, you can't tell ever tell if somebody's offside by watching the video. So it seems like a goddamn miracle that they were able to tell in that Miami game. This this does remind no, me of an th- idea. Those lenses had no distortion, I guess. <laughs> can no, we invest in some convex lenses for the league so that we can, you know, reverse our uh, our, our lens distortion? I no, actually I, feel, I a little, this... I feel a little tricked because I was watching soccer the whole time and I thought the lines were, like, straight. I thought the players were, like, kind of, you know, human-sized, but... <laughs> But it now does. I realize I've been watching. I mean, have through, you seen like, Lucho in person? He's... I've been watching through like distorted <laughs> lenses this whole time. It, it does remind me there was a time I was. Hey, at a Lucho's race. Lucho's the same size of of a lot of a lot of women in this country. I was <laughs> a lot of sixth graders. Yes. <laughs> on, on the subject of not being able to trust your eyes, there was a time I was 
rather inebriated at an FC Cincinnati game. I know, shocker. <laughs> what? And we, we went up to take a corner kick. And I got on my phone to scroll Twitter to see if we scored. Because I'm so used to watching a game where, like, you're on a delay with YouTube TV. And I'm actually in the stadium watching this. And I go to my phone to see if it's already happened. <laughs> I've definitely uh, muted Fop Mob notifications in the stadium because I didn't want to know if a goal had happened. Yes. <laughs> um, I So I think I would like to move on from the from the referees for so at least I- at least. I want to move okay. on too. They won't let me. They won't <laughs> fucking let me. I, okay. I I will move on after this point. I, I just want to make one point. I think we can all agree that if FC Cincinnati concedes a goal on Saturday, we should all take to Twitter with indisputable proof that the ball did not cross the goal line. I don't give a shit how the goal is goal uh, how the how the goal is scored. We need to dispute whether or not the ball went over the line. It could be smashed home from one yard away with the most powerful kick you've ever seen. We need to dispute whether or not the goal was actually scored. That's what we was, need to I was thinking that what needs to happen is that no matter what, how the, a goal gets scored against FC Cincinnati, like they absolutely – it's a howler. It's in the back of the net. It's clear as day. I think the entire Bailey needs to chant B-A-R. Because apparently <laughs> yes. there's no rules whatsoever, and we can disallow anything for any reason. Like Why not? We're going to spend five minutes checking that Miazga goal for fucking Jeff Cameron breathing on a dude. Like, Ugh. we can find a reason to disallow any fucking goal once we send it to VAR. Let's do it. Let's do this all the time now. Oh, my God. All right. Let's move on. I think we're at a good point to move on in the podcast, which is <laughs> pretty pretty far into it. Uh, can I talk about how annoying, and, and Grace, I'm pretty sure you've you've had this thought i think i saw this on on your feed as well but how annoying is it that josh Sargent scores like three goals and all of a sudden he's back in the team absolute lock and vasquez has put now 16 past mls keepers and it's just doing nothing but crushing it and continuing to be the complete forward that the u.s men's national team is missing and uh fucking josh Sargent scores a couple of times against I, I would argue similarly skilled defenders that Vasquez is doing this too, and three goals it just completely overshadows his sixteen. It's infuriating. I mean, DK, DK did better in the championship than he ever did in MLS, right? Yes, yes. So it's I'm not I'm not saying the championship is a bad league. I am saying that that you know all Europe is not created equal, right? No. And I'm not no. saying Sargent doesn't doesn't deserve you know, a shot, right? But he scored a couple of goals against the bottom bottom barrel teams in the championship who, you know, are not obviously better than any particular team in MLS. Meanwhile, Brandon Vasquez has officially, um, and I can't believe the team hasn't, like, put something out about this. He has tied the single-season record for goals in FC Cincinnati history and he has tied the career goals record in FC Cincinnati history. So his That's next incredible. goal is in the record books. Which is, I don't think they put anything out about it because it's like he's going to break the record probably this weekend based on how his form has been. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> put it out there. Let people know, right? People are going to get excited every time he makes it, every time yeah. he touches the ball. Come watch history. He'll he'll lead the lead, or lead the team in goals scored. Yeah, no, and no, it's, to it's, your it's, point... The, what's what's yeah. frustrating about it, especially, is just that this idea that just because they're in Europe, 
there is an inherent value that just Europe confers. And it's like, the, the, I, I wish we would just get by this as an American fan base that success equals Europe. And like the guy who got dogged relentlessly for this was Jordan Morris, who mm-hmm. I've got no love for Jordan Morris, but the man was just sullied online for his decision to stay playing in Seattle. I mean, Landon Donovan got a little bit of it when he came back from, uh, I think he was at Everton and came back to MLS from Everton. It's like, it is not some failure to play in America and do well in America. It is not some moral failing. It does not mean you are less of a player. If Christian Pulisic decides to leave Chelsea and come back to MLS, it doesn't change the fact that he's Christian Pulisic. It doesn't change the fact that he is a great player with some horrible opinions on what makes you an American and... (laughs) in attendance <laughs> like that aside it's just this idea that like in order to be successful you have to be in europe and that europe is like a plus 10 modifier to whatever it is you're doing is absurd and the problem is i wouldn't have as much of a problem with it if it was a nuanced discussion of league and opponent right. and right. you know okay doing this in the championship or he's he's doing this in the bundesliga but he's cleaning up on games against bad teams in the bundesliga no, it's just Europe. It's like, well, he's doing it in Europe. It must be better. It's like, no. I mean, you put Brandon Vasquez on a couple of these teams. I don't know that Brandon Vasquez isn't popping eyeballs too. Like we all fell in love with Daryl DK last year when he was what? What was it? The, the championship he was doing that in at the bottom. Yeah, yeah like like I don't, I don't remember Brentford or something. Yeah, like you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, Charlestown and like you know, Bangers and Mash FC or whatever the fuck it is, like. Not all the same, and it's it's intellectually dishonest to think it's all the same. So it is, yeah. And And then so PFOC had that like bicycle kick goal that everybody went crazy over in the German Cup. That was against a semi-professional team. Yes, like that was against a USL League One or USL League Two level competition. The you kind know, of games so, that we wouldn't even put Vasquez in because it's not worth if, his time. If competition, if if level of competition matters, then it matters for everybody. And Jordan Morrison is an interesting example because he showed that, you know, maybe some success uh, in MLS doesn't always translate to success in you know the championship or another league, but. I think that has more to do with Jordan Morris's game than it has to do with the relative quality of of MLS or or, or the championship or whatever. Because I do think that you know there there is there is some degree of you know you have qualities that work better in in, in some leagues or others. But that's true among the among the top leagues in Europe too, right? Between the Premier League and the Bundesliga and La Liga and, and Serie A. Um, but Jordan Morris is also another interesting example because Jordan Morris. Never scored 16 goals in an MLS season. Nope. Nope. To be fair to Morris, I will say he did go on loan to Swansea the beginning of last year and uh, blew his ACL or whatever. It was not the entire season. Oh, that's right. It was was Ariola who couldn't get a game. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So my new bit that I'm going to start doing, I've done it once and it's just going to be an ongoing thing, (laughs) is just I'm going to start tweeting out uh, randomly – you would appreciate uh, Brandon Vasquez more if he was doing this for, and I'm just going to start making up clubs. I've already done it once where the last club yes. I tweeted about was uh, a Vorga Falanese Arslock FC in the Bundesliga, which translates to prolapsed asshole. So we're just going to have 
random <laughs> German to English translations, and I'm just gonna see how long it takes someone to catch on that none of these clubs are fucking real. Because spoiler alert, nobody can name the bottom ten teams in the Bundesliga. If you took a hardcore soccer fan and said, "Here's a pad of paper. I want you to write the bottom ten teams in the Bundesliga table." Go. I bet you fewer than ten percent of them would be able to get more than one or two names. Pfuck is two and a half, two and a half years older than Vasquez, and he didn't have more than twelve goals in a season until last year, um, when he was already older than than Vasquez is now. And, and he that did was it in, in Switzerland, right? It was in Switzerland for young boys. And young boys are so far ahead for the money they spend than the rest of the yep. league, right? He's doing it for the equivalent of a Swiss super team, which, by the way, is like a, you know, top third MLS team playing right. a bunch of, like, San Jose's and DC's. LAFC would walk the Swiss League. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to take my first tweet doing that right now. People would appreciate <laughs> Brandon Vasquez more if he played for SC Anale Warzen. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I can only guess. Anal Warts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then you had, you know, what's his yeah. name? Um, and I, I don't have anything against this guy, but uh, what Gioacchini Gio yeah. um, got national team call-ups in playing, you know, not even all that regularly in Ligue 2 yeah. in, in France. And it's so... In Serie B, I think, yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was in France. It was in the second, the second division in France. Um, I think he signed for Orlando. I don't know if he's playing for them yet. I don't know what his status is. Because, oh, again, right. I don't watch MLS, so I don't know what anybody's <laughs> going on in other games. Um, but, 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 you know, some some of those, like, Euro snob U.S. MNT fanboys get all defensive. And they say you're straw manning when you're doing what Chief is doing. But it's, it is what they do if yes. you're not if, – if you haven't already primed them – that it's what they're doing, right? There will be some guy like Pifok who scores three goals for Rems in the French second division. I'm like, oh, we got to call this guy up or France is going to take him. France doesn't know his name. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> they don't France care. doesn't uh, know he plays uh, there. Matthew Hoppy, right, scored two goals for Schalke, and everybody was like, this is the future. This is the guy. We need him forever. Um no, I, I think it's worth pointing out that we've had plenty of guys come from the championship to MLS with incredibly mixed results. Tyler Blackett. Um, some, Tyler Blackett was a, a, a really good uh, defender in the championship. He is the worst defender on one of the worst defensive teams in MLS here in Cincinnati. Tyler Steffen, insanely good goalkeeper in the Bundesliga. Zach uh, Steffen. Fucking right. horrible in England. So, like, what's what's the level there? Like, what are we looking for? It's all over the place. Lacadia, fantastic Bundesliga uh, striker. Uh, couldn't do it in England. Couldn't do it in the United States. Is now yeah. playing I, in Iran. Well, I'm a, I'm a Chelsea fan. I don't need to tell anyone how bad Timo Werner has been. Dude lit the Bundesliga on fire. He looks like he plays football for a hobby when he's not busy, like, tap dancing. Yeah, and, and Chelsea also Kai decided Havertz that like just Mo went Salah back was his... bad. 
Yeah, yeah. We're, we, we, we've had some misses. We've, we've... Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's interesting you bring up Lucadia. I wouldn't say he was a fantastic striker in the Bundesliga. I would say he was a fantastic striker in the Netherlands. Showed himself yes. to be a perfectly useful striker in the Bundesliga. Yes, yes, um, that's good. Pifok recently scored a goal in his first Bundesliga game. So did Lucadia. Lucadio also, <laughs> also scored a goal in his first Premier League game. Lucadia famously has scored a goal in wow. his first game with like every team he's been. I think, I think with um, whatever the last team, he, I think with Bokum he just assisted in the first game he played in. Yeah. Um, but this is a really small sample size. People talk about Vasquez having a small sample size, even though he's been doing it for a year. If you look at his per ninety yeah. numbers last year, they are they are top 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 numbers, and we all remember what he did the last you know half dozen games of last season when he finally got minutes, and he's gotten starts this year, and he's looked dangerous, even from the Austin game. He did not finish that game, but he looked dangerous that game. Yep, and people have this weird insecurity. Like Mexico is going to bring up a bunch of domestic guys. Argentina brings up domestic guys. Brazil brings up domestic guys. Like it's oh, it's okay. You can have some domestic players in your in your national team if they're good or if they make sense given what the coach is trying to do. And here's I, how you, here's, yeah. here's how you kind of know that like it's bullshit when they say they don't want that. It's that we're seeing more MLS players attracting interest overseas. Like does Brandon Vasquez if he's bought by Leeds this offseason? Does right. all of a sudden what he's doing become more impressive because oh he's over at Leeds now riding the bench like it's the same guy right it's the same guy the only difference is someone out there has put a price tag on him and decide to ship him overseas it doesn't change who he is and what his skill set is I'd say similarly like I'm I it's the same point but sort of like in reverse but like. Uh, Serginho Dest is still going to be our best right back, even though he's not going to get any game time at Barcelona. Like, he's still the same player. Like, it doesn't matter who he's playing for or who he's not playing for. He's still the best guy we have at that position. And, yeah, I drop Brandon Vasquez on, on the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. He's still one of the best three strikers the American national team pool has right now. Call him up. Did, did Brendan Aronson suddenly become a better player? Because he moved from Salzburg to Leeds, I mean, yeah. you hope that you hope that over time, right? Yes, frequent yes, exposure improve, to better yeah. competition. He's getting, he's clearly getting regular minutes for them. He's a contributor for them. He's clearly going to, or you hope that he continues to improve, right? As he plays against better competition day in and day out. But his game one at Leeds, he's a Premier League player. End of last season. He's a Austrian Bundesliga player. If you feel any different about calling him <laughs> up end of last season versus beginning of this season, you're an idiot. <laughs> Not wrong. Uh, gentlemen, we should probably wrap this podcast up. Hey, before, uh, we, before we do, speaking please. of you mentioned Pittsburgh Riverhounds, uh, yes. I feel like it would be remiss if we didn't pay at least some lip service to our old buddies in the USL Championship. And welcome to the world of soccer support, Tim Tebow. <laughs> Tim Tebow starting a, a USL championship franchise in Jacksonville, Florida. Soccer hotbed, Jacksonville, Florida. I just think it's the most absurd 
Like he's one of those names where whenever he pops up, I'm like, fuck yeah, Tim Tebow. I remember every <laughs> bit of that controversy. And doing what everyone does that has a modicum of fame in America, and you're launching your own soccer franchise that'll probably be defunct in five years. It's like a it's, joint the, uh, USL franchise and uh, circumcision clinic. Where I was going to say, like, mega church, <laughs> like the stadium yeah. actually, yeah, like, on Sunday, they refuse to play on Sundays because they have to give sermons there. I could see, I could see them trying to BYU Chick Fil A their way through USL. That would be very am I, funny. Am I am I crazy that there was like some story that came out that like when Tim Tebow would go on a mission, like he like performed a circumcision? Yeah, there were also there stories back like in the that. day too about like he would lay hands on yes. people and perform miracles. <laughs> like there were people that were genuinely like, I believe this person may be the second coming of Christ. Like they were, it was getting weird like that. And then he won that playoff game uh, against the Steelers, and shit really got wacky. It's um, a shame he's not Catholic, because the laying of hands feels like a fast track to sainthood. <laughs> so um, Tim Tebow's dad had this to say about watching him uh, help out with some circumcisions on their mission. I got Jesus. a kick watching him. He did a great job, and he didn't look really nervous. I wouldn't let him cut on me. But he did well and helped where there was a need. He didn't look nervous. That's the biggest red flag. I mean, I wouldn't he should let him, be nervous. I, I, I wouldn't let him do it to me. But I mean, the man, st- the man stared down a uh, seven man max blitz. I mean, oh. what is a little like knife going to have to do with anything? Tim Tim Tebow's best career move might have been. Uh, covering for Urban Meyer being who Urban Meyer was. He covered up a dirty program at Florida. He, he covered a lot of Urban Meyer's mistakes. And um, he, he had the world fooled for a while, and that was pretty impressive. I don't know. Um, getting, somehow getting a contract to play major league base, uh, minor league baseball and commentate on ESPN at the same time, like the lamest version of Deion Sanders going two ways ever. <laughs> I'm also looking forward to him uh, starring in the real-life version of the uh, Left Behind novels. <laughs> <laughs> don't you want more of this? Like, okay, so like, yes, like, I hate all this. I'm well documented on the record with all this pro rel for us is bullshit but like if we aren't going to have pro well i at least want some interesting owners in minor league like i want more teams like the savannah bananas in minor league soccer keep it interesting keep the fan bases growing uh if i remember correctly it's tim tebow in like two different private equity firms propping this team up so Which is it's going to be an interesting mix super on brand for an evangelical but you know hey <laughs> it would be cool oh. if like um, like real celebrities who were like feuding with each other, oh. bought bot teams, like bot uh, teams. Uh, what was that? What was that Ryan Murphy show feud about? Like Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. Like, what if yes. Joan Crawford? I'm really going for our target audience here. What if Joan Crawford and Betty Davis <laughs> bought competing? Uh, USL teams and then did press conferences <laughs> about how each other's you know jerseys looked like trash and trampy and stuff like that. I'm here for it. I mean, who who doesn't want Donald Trump to buy the Miami FC? I mean, come on. I mean, it doesn't get better. Yeah, we'll we'll just run it back like we did in the '80s. He'll buy the Miami FC. He will attempt to sue MLS to force a merger, and then he will eventually win his lawsuit and be awarded one dollar as compensatory damages. You know, if Trump gives us pro-rel, I'd be willing to forgive a lot. 
We'll have to do another episode about this. Is, this is truly my darkest timeline. Maybe there's an off season. So maybe there's like an off season episode where Kevin can like come out with like go with like this is his proposal for pro rel in in the United States. And I've got a can, couple. I'd love can, this. We manifest, can let him. Though. We should probably end the podcast now, though, because we've gone from a giant ref conspiracy uh, against FC Cincinnati now talking about Donald Trump. And that feels like we've really reached like the Godwin's law of soccer podcasting. We've we've closed that loop. Um, I I really wanted to get to this, so I would just briefly mention it. Uh, Shout out to uh, Caitlin Hardy who tweeted at us uh, this incredible story. Uh, Man tries to set Guinness World Record for longest river trip in a giant pumpkin. And it got me thinking, and, and you can answer this, or you know, you can, you can take this away with you when this podcast ends. What, what item of food, what, what food stuff would you want to float down a river in? It's got me thinking. I got a couple of options. You, know, well, you I mean, can make it really some, large. I mean- it's got to be large. It has to also not dissolve in water. Like it has to be like at least somewhat seaworthy. I would think. So the nothing pumpkin's that's pretty like, good. It's got so that. You could edge. choose a watermelon. That'd be solid. I feel like you could you could pull watermelon's that off. Watermelon's sticky though. It'd be sticky on the inside a little bit. I'd like to think a donut would be enjoyable. It probably it'd probably soak up, but I feel it like you'd have dis- fun for a while. Would disintegrate pretty quick, I would think. <laughs> Man, not like a not like a Dunkin' Donut. Or like a crispy. No, cream. I, I need cream. this custom made. It's got to be real big. I got to sit in the middle of it, like a like a lazy river raft. <laughs> and a donut would be delicious. So I mean, at the very least, that you wouldn't make it far down the river, but you would definitely have a great time doing it. I think the the fun per minute ratio real high on the donut raft. You know what would be fun <laughs> if somebody made like a made like a raft by like weaving like thousands of uh, uh, Twizzlers. Yes. Like the pulling peels where like they come in like the you can peel off and make them even smaller to like do some fine weaving. Yeah. Now it's I, like uh, does it have to be when you say like a food stuff, does it have to be like the actual ingredient? Or can I pick like a burrito bowl from Chipotle and just float down the river in the burrito bowl? Yeah. A bowl of something, so long as you could, Skyline. You could make sure the bowl floated. That'd be pretty clutch. An acai bowl. It's a, it's a, it's a human-sized bowl of chili, and you got a pack of hot dogs and buns, and you're just dipping them, <laughs> dipping them in the chili that you're sitting in as you go down the river. <laughs> not a, you know, not a bad way to go, man. I, I guarantee somebody has done this. I guarantee there is someone in the history of Cincinnati that has floated in a bowl of chili, just dunking hot dogs and eating the hot dogs as they sail down the river. And if that hasn't happened yet. It should happen for a publicity stunt at some point. Oh, well, I know uh, if I ever become a uh, fifth grade science teacher, I will be having my students try to make the best candy raft that they can. That sounds sounds like a fun activity. I mean, there was a radio show one time that asked the, the, the immortal question, like, how many, uh, how many toddlers do you think you could beat up at once? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I would also like to acknowledge the guy on Twitter who asked, what, what, what do we have to do to to um, uh, set the team up to play a 4-4-2 diamond? Um, I just want to acknowledge that we see you, we hear you. 
we're not going to deal with that today. We'll deal with it another another time. That's a that's a talking tactics question. God love you. <laughs> I do a lot of nodding when formations come up. People go, like, "Oh yeah, we're clearly going to be in a four four two diamond." I'm like, I know what a diamond is. Mm, I understand nice. some of the words there. Oh <laughs> uh, no, we can do it. We can do it. We just got to replace Kubo. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, thank you for listening. Hopefully, this was somewhat cathartic. I I. It felt good talking about Hell is Real, so I appreciate it, guys. This was fun. Fuck pro referees.